Welcome to This Joyful Life. My name is Maya Starin, joy expert and spiritual advisor. On This Joyful Life podcast, you will hear stories of people living in their joy, reclaiming their joy, while doing meaningful work in their communities. In today's episode, I connect with Sakia Harris, change maker and shapeshifter extraordinaire. Sakia gives her wisdom about living through a paradigm shift, what's happening in the world right now, and the role Mother Nature plays in being our teacher. Hi, happy happy to be here. So tell us more about all the exciting things going on for you. I want to hear more about your music and all of that. Yes. Well, I'm based in Oakland, California, and I'm a local artist and an entrepreneur. My two really exciting projects right now are the release of my latest um, single off my first CP called After Darkness. It's called Abracadabra Africa. It's an ode to Black women. And I'm also really happy because um, the solstice represents the first year anniversary of me launching my own lifestyle brand called Shape shift your life which is the creative entrepreneur's guide to self-love and self-happiness so it's a special time of year yeah so much so much good stuff and the music video is absolutely gorgeous so everyone so uh, definitely check that out um how would you say that this work has enriched your life like what are some of those like big juicy moments for you wow well you know i think life is a journey and sometimes it's not we have these milestones, right? So like releasing my first book last year was a milestone. Releasing this uh, video project was a milestone. Um, But really the juicy moments are honestly sometimes the darkest moments. They're the struggles and the pains that birth these beautiful projects that a lot of people don't get to see um, until, you know, later on. Um, And so those are the things that people don't really always talk about and they don't really sound so exciting, but really they're kind of the impetus for so much of the work that I do today. Yeah, absolutely. Would you speak, would you give an example, like something that um, maybe in the moment was a challenge, but later like revealed itself to be such a fruit? Yeah. Well, in my book, I talk about, you know, seven years ago, um, running my own organization, being married, being a homeowner and literally in the blink of an eye, um, losing my house to foreclosure, losing my nonprofit because of the recession, getting a divorce. Um, so many things happened. And in the blink of my eye, all of my identity kind of was, was stripped away from me. And, you know, shape-shifting became my mantra. It became um, my motivation to be like water, to be fluid, to always move, to always stay in the flow and to never allow those things to, um, to kind of move me from my passion. So that's one example. <laughs> yeah, your brand is shapeshift. Like you said, it it can be really scary in the in the moment. We're just like, oh man, I thought I I thought I knew all these things. I thought I had all these things. I was that, and then the universe is like, nope. Like you're actually like this like hugely magical, like totally different aspect. Totally. Can you speak to maybe how you stay in your gratitude, like during that shape shifting process? 
I think my spiritual practice is what really kept me grounded, having something else to hold on to that was always been bigger than myself, understanding that I'm always part of something larger, having what I call tribe, you know, like-minded people who support you in being your best self, even when you don't feel like it, when your bank account doesn't represent it, when your job title doesn't represent it. Um, no, having people that constantly affirmed my greatness and always saw who I am now, even then. And I think, you know, those are two critical things that always kind of have kept me grounded and allowed me to keep, uh, being in gratitude because I knew that even though these things were happening, they happening for a reason. You know, I feel like oftentimes we ask the universe to change things. We want to change relationships. We want to make more money. Um, we want a career shift. And then when changes start showing up in our life, we're like, wait a minute, that's not how I asked for it. I didn't want it to appear like that. And every single one of my darkest moments has always brought the biggest blessings. And I say that all the time, you know, every seed, every life form, even us, we all started in the darkest places possible. We started in the wombs of our mother's belly. It was pitch black. It is dark. It is scary. You know, when you think of a seed and what it becomes, literally it has to die. It has to lose a part of itself. And I think even now with the government and the transition, we have to go through a dark time. However, the only thing that can only come from darkness is the light. But you can't get there if you're afraid of the darkness. And I think that we live in a society that is um, obsessed with what we can see. We're obsessed with images and media and things we can touch and things we can hold. And anytime we have to unplug and be silent and go to that dark, silent, still place, we're terrified. But we're also always asking for these changes to happen. And, you know, the more that we can align ourselves with nature and use nature as our teacher to say, well, hey, that's how the whole ecosystem of the planet is moving. When we can align ourselves with that, I feel like a lot of that fear goes away. Hey. Completely agree. I think that nature is such a, a powerful metaphor because um, one of the things that I love too is like in in Africa, like there it's like fires, like there's fire season, you know, and these fires like come through and it like takes, you know, like the animals go, the trees go, the grass goes, but those fires um, are actually like a huge part of the ecosystem. And so there are things that are fireborn. And I love, I love that metaphor, right? Like fireborn. I love that. And we're fireborn, right? I mean, literally when I was giving birth to my daughter, there was a moment where you go through the ring of fire, you know, they literally call it the ring of fire. And my midwife said, you know, touch yourself. And it was this flat feeling. And she's like, that's your child. But she, and I was like, I'm supposed to push her through. Um, and I had to go through that in order for a new life to come through. So I love that analogy. So powerful. Is there something that when you were going through that, like a, a resource or maybe someone in your tribe who gave you something um, that like really grounded you into this new life, like this new way of experiencing life? That's a great question. And really, I think that what grounded me the most was my intuition and being able to listen and trust my highest self. And I think that that's something that had to be cultivated. And that's something that I was already on the path to cultivating. So when I was in my loveless marriage and I was unhappy with my job and I was pissed off about where I was living, maybe not consciously, but on a subconscious level, I was asking the universe for help. I was praying about it. I was doing ritual about it. And um, 
spirit was guiding me to make these changes, even though I knew that I was going to have to disrupt my life. And so I think that we have to develop relationships with ourselves. There is no quick fix. There is no, you know, I mean, it's great to have gurus. It's great to have teachers and people that you respect, but ultimately they're in your life to remind you about you being your own guru. You're being your own, you know, person to come to. And so um, I just stay listening. And when I know when I'm not, I know what it feels like to not listen because I've learned the hard way. (laughs) I think at some point you get to the point where you've hit enough brick walls and you've learned things the hard way enough that you're like, you know what, let me try something. Cause I feel like there's no mistake or there's nothing that ever happens to us that doesn't feel right. We're somewhere we can't go back in retrospect and say something told me, Oh, I had a feeling and I thought but we didn't listen to it. But we always know we have this inner compass within us that guides us every step of the way, but we're taught not to trust it. We're taught to put our trust in politicians, in celebrities, in people, in government, and not put trust in ourselves. And so really what guided me through that time was myself and having the practice. You know, I I think our self-care practice is critical. Um, It's not just some woozy thing. It's not some spa thing because we're trying to be vain. This is like... Our self-care to me is paramount with, you know, self-preservation of our life. And if I am not in my best self doing the practices that I need to do to stay calm, to stay silent, to stay present and stay in the moment, um, then I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to trust my intuition. I'm not going to hear it. And I'm not going to be led um, towards the fulfillment of my destiny. Oh, yeah. And it's so funny, too, because I feel like um, when we hit that brick wall, part of the main frustration is like, I did all the right things. Like, I did all the logical steps. Like, I, like, thought that, you know, this made sense. And then it's like, oh, but I, you know, I ignored, like, exactly what you said. Like, I ignored that, like, infinite intelligence. Like, that part of me that was coming through the whole time saying, hey, that's actually not for you. Like, it makes sense. (laughs) not for you. Wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, will you share some of your specific self-care practices like how you how you listen or like how you take care of your your physical definitely I think that it all starts with gratitude the first thing I try to do when I wake up in the morning is just give thanks first thing I want to hear in myself in my is my own voice saying thank you thank you for waking me up what are all the things I can be grateful for I'm my health is in order I have a roof over my head I slept in a bed because what happens is you immediately are able to start raising your vibrational frequency um, I do a yoga practice that's really short I sit down at my altar I kind of set my intentions for the day and I literally have like this invisible force field that I put on um, to block out all negative energy. I have an 11 year old daughter. I've taught her to do the same thing. She has her own morning practice because when we walk outside the door, literally everything I feel many of what society is going to hit you with is going to be in opposition to who you are, particularly as a woman, particularly as a woman of color, particularly as a black woman. It's not like I'm necessarily being affirmed by the world. And many of us out there, our work is work of giving and healing and helping other people. So we have to be extra strong because not only are you have to be strong for yourself, you know, I work with young people, I run a nonprofit organization. So I have to also be buoyed up for, for the, those that I have to serve. 
And recently, I really started becoming more interesting with my night practice as well. I noticed that I would come home. I'm still thinking about all the meetings I have, what emails I need to send. I'm vegging out on social media. And then when I get in bed, I can't even turn off because my mind is still going on. So I've made an intentional practice in the evening to have the last hour of my night without screens. I don't have any screens in my bedroom. I put on some quiet music. I reflect on the day. I have a gratitude practice. I'll take a bath and just really try to get myself back to a place of centered so I don't drag that drama from the day before into my next day. So I think that it's like, what are those daily practices? You know, what are those weekly practices that you have? For me, I try to get out in nature every Sunday. Every Sunday, let's go out and get out in nature. Um, every, every seasonal shift. Um, I honored the solstice a couple days ago, you know. And so what are those daily, monthly, weekly practices? You know, when are you coming together with your sisters and just have a sister circle? When is that time to go to the spa? You know, and really making that a priority in my budget, in my life, with my family, because those are the things that keep me going. I love all of that. And I'm going to ask you one more specific question because I know that you're like so keyed into the, to the shapeshifter experience. What would you say to someone who like has called that in and is like seeing all of their former life be swept away? Like what would you recommend as a self-care practice, like for someone who's getting ready to shift? Yes. Well, I think that it's important to remember that we are like life is cyclical. The earth is through a cyclical process. So we're always shifting. We're always evolving. So it's like, you know, one of my mentors said, you know, how do you keep one foot planted in eternity and one foot planted in the present? How do you stay in that place of always going through this cycle of life and death? And as soon as you shift into one place, you're, it's time to shift into another. So it's the journey's never over. And what I would tell people is if you're feeling that it's on your spirit, that you're in that journey, then you're already on the right track and to trust that. And I would also say to get out in nature and spend time in the water. I think that water is just everything. Water is feminine in spirit. Um, we are in a feminine time, the shift that we're on in the planet. And that's the other thing we have to recognize that we're shifting because the world is shifting. We're in the greatest paradigm shift of our lifetime is happening right now. And if you're on the planet right now, it's because you have a special role to play. And this is the time for you to bring your gifts to the world. And that shift is a feminine shift. That shift means that all of the masculine compartment is compartmentalization ego, separation, competition, all of that mentality that has gotten us into the, the hole that we're in right now won't serve us as we get out of it. We have to shift into feminine qualities. Everybody has a masculine and feminine aspect of who they are. We have to be more receptive. We have to be more intuitive. We have to go with the flow. We have to be creative. We have to bring be life givers. Those are the traits that are going to move us in. And when you align yourself with water, drinking more water, taking more baths, being in the ocean, being in the river, washing all of those things that are no longer serving you away um, on the conscious and the subconscious level. I think that that is what keeps you in tone. Water just immediately relaxes you. Have a waterfall or a water trickle in your bedroom or in your backyard. But, you know, that's something that will immediately tap you into 
a relaxed, peaceful place and weaving that into your practice and honoring the sacred aspect of water and turning to nature. Nature is the teacher here. Nature is the mother. She's holding us in the big womb, right? We were born in our mother's womb, but we're part of this bigger womb. So the more that we can align with that, align with the cycles of nature and get closer to water, that would be my biggest recommendation for anybody going through a shift and you will see immediate results. I completely agree. I've like to that effect, I've started mapping my my personal cycle to the moon, my business cycle to the moon, because mm. the moon is really yes. water, like your water. Like, yes. It feels it feels so good to not be uh, resisting that, you know, like to get that rest in the new moon, especially. I was so tired yesterday. I was like, oh, this so- moon. <laughs> And I love that you brought that up. Thank you for presencing that for folks that don't recognize the relationship between the water and the moon, right? And that feminine cycle and that we're always part of that um, cycle and the relationship between the high tide and the low tide in the ocean. And so that's a big part, you know, allowing new moons to be opportunities to plant intentions, to sow new seeds and allowing full moons to be opportunities to release. And so I agree fully, the more that we can align with the moon cycles and the cycles of nature. So that's really powerful. If you could give one piece of wisdom to your younger self, uh, what would you tell, what would you tell her? Wow. Well, you know, I, the, the trick of the universe has played on me is that now I've, I've birthed my younger self in the form of my 11-year-old daughter. And so one of the things that I've made a commitment to her is to honor her authenticity, to remind her to honor her voice, to be weird, to be different, to be unapologetic in her boldness, because we were all born knowing our power, knowing who we are. And somewhere along the line, life just messes everything up and we get totally screwed up. And so the more that we can empower, especially our young women and our young girls to, to be in their power and to not be ashamed or afraid of who they are, to not worry about being um, liked. And I think it's such a difficult time in the age of social media to be a young person on the planet right now. If everything that I did was on video and Snapchat, I think I would have died. And so it's a very difficult time to be a young person. And one thing I remind my daughter is there's no one that did anything powerful on the planet that wasn't treated as a weirdo. Whether it was Harriet Tubman, Gandhi, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, they were weirdos for their time. Weirdos make a difference. Weirdos actually change the world. So be proud to be a nerd. Be proud to be weird. Be proud to be a different. There's no one that any, ever did anything meaningful that was going along with the crowd or I say sheeple. You don't want to be a sheeple. You want to be a leader. And so I would have reminded myself that and I get a chance to remind my daughter. I love that. Um, I love, you know, I used to get called weird a lot. Like people probably still call me weird, but what I learned when I was like that age, 11, I'm like a, a huge word nerd. And the third mm. definition of weird is fantastic. So, wow, I didn't know that. It was very reassuring. It was like, okay. <laughs> I love that. I'll have to share that with her. I'm fantastic. Um, and Zakia, what does joy feel like in your body? Oh, that's so powerful. The first place I went was to touch my heart. Um, when you said that and I think that's what joy feels like it feels fuzzy it feels warm it feels um, sensual it puts a smile on my face and it makes me feel powerful in my body it makes me stand up a little bit stronger 
Um, it makes me feel more, more planted and it makes me feel like I'm in the right, I'm going in the right direction.